Khan, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about the luxury fashion industry in a new market. Uh, you are um, digital channels um, EVP at uh, Vaco, and uh, you're well informed about um, how to sell very exclusive, exclusive fashion to your target group. Please introduce yourself to the audience, and then we are talking about Vaco and the luxury fashion industry. Okay, thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Khan. I work. Uh, I've been working for Vaco for around a year now. Uh, originally, I'm an entrepreneur. I have started a few companies. None of them were in the luxury businesses. They were mostly mass market businesses. Um, but now I'm a professional here. But of course, I preserve my entrepreneur skills and my core. I try to develop, uh, you know, a new business. Let's say, online. And can, can you tell us a bit more about uh, Vaco and the company numbers? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Vaco is, uh, it was founded in 1934. So it is like, it has a big heritage, like all the luxury companies should have, around 88 years. And they opened up the first store in 1962. Um, we have many uh, sub-brands, let's say. We have Vaco, uh, Vaco Business. We have Vaco Boutiques. We have restaurants, Vaco L'Atelier. We have uh, W Collection, it's another brand. We have w, uh, Wakurama, is another brand. We are, we'll be opening up uh, our new hotel soon. It will be a city hotel in Istanbul, Nishantashe. So uh, with all this, we have around 200 stores in Istanbul and in all over Turkey, sorry. And, uh, you know, as a new strategy, we, we decide, uh, we try to touch uh, every line of business that we can contribute uh, with our luxury vision, let's say. Is there, is there something you can compare it with in, uh, in the US or in Europe? Is there a company that is doing something similar with, uh, with such a brand? Well, I think we can compare Wacko um, with fashion houses uh, like Chanel and others, let's say. But uh, we are a bit different than them uh, in terms of how we sell and what we sell. We have various brands and we do also represent some of the international brands as well. But we are not like a marketplace. We are not like a typical retailer where we would, we would carry the whole merchandise of the other brands. But we have curated content. So in that sense, I mean, we are similar to the fashion houses. But, uh, you know, even though we are a retailer and we do represent some of the brands, we don't carry the whole collection. We have our own collection, Wacko. And based on that, we, we define a new story with some of the international brands as well. So, so can you guide me through the customer experience um, uh, from like a um, local Vaco store or Vaco boutique in, in Istanbul? So who am I from a customer perspective? So what kind of customers would you expect and what do I see uh, in the stores and what are the price points? So the listeners or the audience gets like a first understanding mm -hmm. uh, what, what merchandise you offer. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, our main category is uh, fashion textile. Um, and the uh, woman and man ratio is, you know, quite 50-50%, let's say, for most of our brands. Um, of course, it's luxury merchandise. Uh, we use uh, Italian and French fabric and uh, the production is out of Turkey. So the cost is high and we do also operate on uh, premium locations like every luxury brand. So uh, our price level is at the highest uh, compared to many of the international brands. 
we do provide fashion and also vodka home and also uh, some a little bit of jewelry and other merchandise as well in stores. We do target, uh, I, I mean, as you say, it, it's a big discussion right now in the world. Who is the luxury customer? And it, I think it is changing a lot. And uh, like everything that happens, it has a life cycle. It, uh, it all started uh, with, uh, let's say, well-established families that were consuming luxury goods. Uh, but then as the world got richer and richer, we have seen a new uh, kind of luxury uh, consumers. And uh, they needed to represent themselves because they didn't have the family heritage uh, that, uh, you know, the old families used to have. And then uh, those uh, consumers became like they wanted to be represented uh, with what they have, you know, not with the heritage, not with the past. Uh, but, you know, they have to um, represent themselves with the brand. And then we have seen brands like with big logos on your T-shirt, on your sunglasses, etc. So, you know. They, this was a wave, and I think it's still going on. Uh, but Waco is, again, different than that. Uh, you, you won't see huge logos on our items. Uh, it will be very subtle branding. So if you, if you are kind of getting richer and richer, but you need a logo or a brand that should upgrade yourself, it's not Waco. Uh, it's a big heritage. Then I, then I should stick with Louis Vuitton, <laughs> uh, I guess, where everybody knows I'm a Louis Vuitton customer. Well, it depends. You know, it depends on the culture. It depends on the country. It depends on the times. Mm. I'm not saying anything bad uh, for our competitors, of course. They all have uh, their own strategy. Um, of course, you know, you may... Louis Vuitton also, I think, it, it's kind of subtle branding. You know, you will never see something huge on their items as well. But of course, you understand that it is their design, which is something we like. We, I think we think uh, similarly. Okay, and, and uh, you already said that comparable brands might be um, fashion houses or um, uh, houses like Chanel. Um, and all those brands, which, which I can think about, did have a very hard time um, uh, creating a true omnichannel experience. Though they all wanted to control their merchandise, they really were very selective when it came to distribution strategies and therefore kind of blocked every e-commerce uh, initiative. You are now sitting in a situation at Vaco where you're kind of responsible connecting all these, um, all these dots. So um, when did it start? Uh, uh, maybe let's, let, let's go back a, a little bit. So when did it start that Vaco realized that um, customers also like the luxury customers might be attracted online uh, um, uh, next to the uh, brick and mortar stores. Yes, I mean, uh, as you say, it's, it's quite new. I think it started four years ago um, because the next generation of the family, they want to sell online because, you know, the generations change. Uh, so the ways of selling and doing business is also changing. But I think that the new generation in the family has initiated all these efforts. And, but of course, it has uh, you know seen a huge, um, let's say, impact in the company because you know luxury businesses are reluctant to sell online. This is the first thing I realized uh, when I joined Vaco. And of course, as someone who has done a lot of business and million dollars, billion dollars online, uh, it was a shock for me. I mean, why would would a company want not to sell? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Why would I want, to, want you to make a profit? The first week I joined the company, I was contacted by our chairman, and he, uh, he told me, you know, Khan, as you started now 
what do you think is the best thing to do? Do you think that we should shut down all our digital assets and, you know, end this business and rethink about it? And of course, it was a shock for me. I mean, uh, but again, even though it was a shock, I think it was a very good message. So I decided to try to understand what is wrong with digital or what is wrong with e-commerce for the luxury people. You know, there was something obviously wrong. And the thing that I realized is uh, when they are selling in stores, um, they have a big heritage. They know what to do. There are ways to represent the luxury merchandise in store because you are able to design the experience. And this is something you've been doing for a long time and you know it very well and you know your customer, you know the perfect location. You can't get a, a competitor that is selling mass merchandise next to you because it's a premium location, right? And it, it, on the street, in, in the shopping malls as well. Your, your stores are designed in a such way that they do really represent the luxury way of shopping like the lightning, the decoration, the materials, you know, the employees in the store, everything is designed in that way. But uh, they were right to think that online, it is not so much easy to represent because it's just a website that you go in, you know, like you would go to a typical mass merchandiser, uh, mass retailer, sorry. Uh, the, the design is similar, whether you're selling a $10 shirt or $200 shirt. And we see more and more mass uh, retailers that are, you know, trying to copy the luxury designs because they want to upgrade uh, their merchandise, even though it, it's it's not expensive, even though it's not premium. They display it in a way that it really looks premium. So the customers are happy because it looks premium. Anyway, that that's not a bad thing. But the bad thing here for us is that we are all, we all look the same. So there is, there is nothing that can differentiate you uh, from a typical mass retailer. Of course, we do try to differentiate with the services that we're providing, right? That's that's something, but it's not enough because it, it they all look the same. And the way you look is, of course, important because, you know, we have a visual mind, especially when you're selling luxury. So, um, I mean, as you say, that that's still a challenge, I think. And... Um, that's a challenge not for only Wakov, but for all luxury brands in the world. Uh, but we are happy that to see that things are changing, in fact, uh, with Metaverse, right? Uh, it has been a creator's world for fashion, luxury fashion designers, because they do create. That's what they do. And they do, they are demanding uh, in terms of uh, fabric, for example, in terms of design. This is what we do. They see something different. But with the web 2.0, let's say, it was all similar. You know, there, there, there isn't much you can do to differentiate. So they weren't comfortable selling because they were thinking that um, this is bad branding, right? Uh, but with COVID, of course, when, the, when all the stores were shut down, they had to sell. That, that became um, kind of a matter of survival uh, for everyone. Of course, luxury... Businesses are much more resilient uh, compared to others. We have again seen that it has been proved again. Um, but, you know, nobody knew for how long the stores would be shut down. So there has been an acceleration in the way we do uh, business online. I wasn't with Waco at those times, uh, but, you know, I listened to a lot of stories where, you know, the digital team were pushed to their limits. 
so that they can increase uh, the service level, they can they, they should increase the merchandise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But now that it is over, uh, the stores are again uh, picking up. In fact, they are much more profitable, uh, and they are revenue they are generating much more revenue uh, before COVID. So it's all good now. So now, what is the role of e-commerce again? So it is again questioned because. Uh, it is not. It doesn't seem like to be a requirement, which it is. I mean, we we look at the data, and we so we see that there are customers who are only buying online. You know, I think that's very important. Uh, um, and we have customers who are buying online and from brick and mortar stores at the same time, which is great because you know it's it's a complementary thing, and you you have to be where your customers want you to be, and especially with metaverse. Um, as you know, you know it's it's already a billion uh, dollar industry, and it's, it's going to be a, it is, let's say, estimated to be a trillion dollar industry uh, within ten years. The good thing is, we will be able to be designers again because it's an experience that you can design. It's three D. Uh, I mean, it has design elements and it, it's personalized. It's not just an image uh, online. And you can be, you know, much more creative than you are today. So, you know, even though uh, it's a bit confusing, uh, I think that this creativity element of the metaverse is why we are seeing especially luxury businesses uh, investing to that area from day one. But but let's go back like four years ago when you started the um, the, the the online journey for for Vaco. Um, uh, how did you start it? Because uh, the one thing is like bringing um, a brand online, just with your own products, with your own merchandise you control. The very other thing is to bring the uh, the retail aspect online. So bringing other brands, maybe Chanel, you are selling in your stores or other, whatever brands might fit um, for the boutiques. Online, so so how was the thinking uh, process back then? Because I I would guess that people that were managing the store, people that were managing the the assortment, were not so happy about uh, the e-commerce. Yes, right? yes, yes. You're right. I mean, yeah. The the first uh, the first way was you know we should sell online. At, at least we should experience. You know we should we should learn from the online initiative. And um, as I said, I wasn't with Waco those days, but I. They developed a uh, in-house uh, software, and it was an in-house team. And you know, the the reason to be online was to sell online, not to represent maybe the image of the company, but to generate some kind of revenue. So this is all everything has started. But uh, gradually, as the industry was really growing, it is not easy to manage all this these employees that you are that you have in-house. And then, the, of course, you lose you lose your key employees uh, to maybe digital brands that are native, and it's not, I mean it's not easy to to manage that business the way we have been doing it. So we decided, I mean, the company decided uh, to switch to a um, another software e-commerce platform uh, that that was that could provide you all the functionality out of the box, and. Uh, yeah, the brands were not happy because it was kind of chaotic in terms of what you're selling. We have uh, stock replenishment procedures, for example, um, and then we decide, you know, which stock should be where at what time. But when you open that stock to e-commerce, I mean, you consume that stock in one day and your 
customers are coming and they they see that there is no stock anymore. So you know all this had to be uh, really carefully crafted um, so that we can really uh, serve the customer online and in store as well. We have our uh, loyalty program um, that wasn't working for online customers that that created a lot of complaints, etc. I mean. Um, it, it has been a journey for Vaco, I think, for like many brands. Uh, we have made some mistakes, but uh, they, we learned our lesson. Um, but, but now what is next is, I mean, the bad thing for, I think, the luxury businesses is that we have to be creative in, in every way uh, that we operate. So what I mean by that is, I mean, we, we decided to sell online and we have done it. It was just like a task that we have accomplished. That's something. But then we have seen that we are basically doing the same thing as our competitors or as the mass, mass retailers, right? So that's not good. And then we said, what, what are the services uh, that we can provide so that we can really um, reflect our uh, vision of selling uh, luxury merchandise and then the first phase was uh, trying to copy what you're doing in store i think that was phase one for many of the luxury retailers um, because in store you know when you go to the store there's someone opening the door for you you go inside you know you see the lightning and you know we we do really help you like all fashion businesses um, but that's something you couldn't do online so online fashion retailers i mean i have seen companies that did uh, paint the door in the website then you know you would knock the door with with, with, uh, with the mouse and you would open the door so the first reaction was really copy what you're doing in store because that makes sense you know this is how you're selling this is how you've been selling uh, for a long time and you want to provide the same experience because you know that it works of course it didn't work um, it all had to be changed and I think that do, being multi-channel doesn't mean uh, what, copying what you're doing in-store to digital. That just doesn't make sense. We did also learn it in the past. Of course, I'm not saying that uh, online customers and uh, brick-and-mortar customers are totally different. We, that's not what we see right now. We see more and more people using uh, a number of multiple channels at the same time. That's the thing that's, that is growing. You know, we are not really growing in terms of uh, pure digital customers. We are growing with the number of customers who have been buying from stores, which are also now buying online. And that's the, that's the uh, customer base that is growing. And uh, did it create problems with product management? Advertising, yes, because, I mean, Everything we do is so different than online uh, players, let's say. The team also couldn't cope with it because doing uh, the way of operating with a luxury brand is completely different than what we are used to seeing online, especially from digital native uh, players. The way we advertise is also different. So the most of the uh, advertising models of Google and Facebook didn't work for us because we don't want to display prices, for example. That's not what we do. We don't sell with price, we sell with, with the design and we show it to the right customer at the right time.
though just for me like to understand um you cannot use google because google requires your availability data and pricing data uh in order to um to promote your products and um as you are working with like flexible prices or individual prices i guess this is not possible can, can you elaborate elaborate a bit here yes sure i mean um it's not only with google but but with most of the programmatic advertising um, the, the models are created as such that you have to display the item, the price and in stock and, you know, discount, etc. Uh, but that's not how we sell. You know, we don't sell with price, so the price is not an issue. Uh, that's not why our customers are buying the item, not because of the price. We don't advertise discounts uh, in a way that uh, others are doing. So that's not how we display price and we display uh, discount. So, you know, all these models that are designed for the masses, it's just not working for us. Of course, there are a few companies that do it way or that do it right or that give us the ability to customize the way we display all this information. But again, uh, doesn't all work for, uh, for, for, for fashion brands uh, when, when we try to apply uh, what they know best and what works best because usually... Uh, they try to optimize uh, your revenue, right? Uh, but again, it, it's not all for sales for us. We, we, we do a lot of advertising just to reach out to our customers, again, at the same time, at the right frequency, with the right image. But will it generate sales? Of course, we hope. Of course, we plan. But that's not the, uh, the primary objective. So, so you are saying like the the online industry, which was all built around like choose your keywords, choose your target group, uh, sell within like three clicks, uh, and then try to uh, get a repeat sale with like a newsletter campaign or a voucher campaign or whatever campaign. Mm -hmm. that, that's not working for you. If this is not working, are there other channels, other um, tactics like Instagram, for example, working much better because they are focusing rather on the brand, on the image, on the story, and not so much on the sales. Yes, right. Um, as you say, Instagram works very well. Uh, we use Instagram a lot. Um, I think probably 90% of our budget will be probably Instagram. Or let's say, you know, mostly visual channels. Uh, we like Instagram be uh, because uh, with other advertisers, you are always a neighbor to a brand, right? For example, when you advertise programmatically, uh, your ads will be seen on an news website for example maybe even though there are ways to curate that as well you know it's not always obvious and when we make a mistake uh, if you if you lose sales that's okay but if you hurt the brand then that's the biggest you can make with a luxury brand so you know we are very careful uh, but with um, with instagram it's always targeted to the customer and it's, it's always in uh, the instagram so that you know you you don't have a bad neighbor and you know, all this can be very catastrophic because of uh, wrong brand association, right? You don't want your brand next to another brand that you don't want to be with. Um, even though it, it's subtle, if you do this mistake consistently, then you can really hurt your brand. And we have seen many examples uh, of that in Turkey. Uh, they were mass brands, not luxury brands. Uh, but they were mostly pushing uh, to sell and to discount. And some of those brands, they just don't exist uh, anymore.
Mm. Okay, got it. That, that I understand. But um, is it possible now to um, to buy everything Vaco offers online? So whatever um, shirts, dress, uh, uh, wedding setup, I'd like to buy. Can I buy it online, or do I need to go to the store for some for some items? Uh, you, I think you can buy around ninety nine percent online. I am mm. uh, happy that we have done it. Uh, actually. There are some items that are really hard to carry, hard to handle, and hard to deliver. Um, so those items are restricted. Uh, we have just a few items that are not allowed to be sold online uh, by the main brands, let's say. But uh, other than that, uh, yeah, you, you, you can find 99% uh, of, of the items online. Okay, and what I understand is you're um, you're trying to um, expand like the brand experience um, uh, beyond fashion, building hotels, for um, example. Right. But what I what what I'm asking myself is, is this still working in a way for Vaco that you can expand the brand outside of the Vaco empire? I would say so. Um, is it possible to buy merchandise on other luxury retailers in in other countries? So can I go to the luxury fashion house in Hamburg, here in Germany, and buy Vaco merchandise? Uh, not yet, um, but that's part of the expansion process. We will see. Um, you know, as we are a publicly listed company in Istanbul Stock Exchange, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to disclose too much information that we haven't shared mm -hmm. with public yet. So, but of course, every company wants to grow, and Vaco also wants to grow. So we can grow. Um, with physical stores um, in EMEA region or Europe or wherever we think it's fit. That's a way to grow. But with, with online also gives us another advantage, uh, which means we can enrich our product portfolio um, much faster uh, than we are doing in stores because it, doing it in store, it requires a big operation, right? You have mm. to buy and you have to distribute. Big, and then you're using some shelf space, so you have to make sure that it's really efficient before you do that. And, you know, the trial trial and error has a cost uh, there. But online, it doesn't have. You know, you can start with a very limited inventory. So we are also uh, thinking about how we can grow our merchandise as well, our uh, mix as well online, maybe with some brands that we are not selling in-store. So, but this is all... Uh, part of a big uh, discussion on trying to, you know, decide the future strategy of, of Vaco and of the fashion business in Turkey. We've seen in Europe emerging some international luxury fashion platforms. So My Teresa, for example, from Munich was one of those uh, platform. They don't have own brands. It's like just a, a luxury fashion platform. Farfetch was uh, uh, quite a story for a couple of years now. Um, they started with a, uh, with a model where they listed merchandise what that was in store available like from many stores worldwide on their website so you could buy a chanel dress from like a munich store for example which was not available to you in in istanbul but it was available on the platform and, and therefore there was kind of it was kind of a marketplace uh, model the, what's your view on those platform is this like a is this like a partner like in expanding the vaco experience or is this something you'd rather like to build yourself um, from a Vaco perspective? Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, it, again, this has been discussed very much. Uh, how do we approach marketplaces, for example, or how do we approach other retailers, whether in Turkey or, or in the world? Um, I think um, 
marketplaces, for example, it, it's there are a lot of brands. Uh, depends on the marketplace. Farfetch is the one. Um, we try to be uh, with marketplaces where we can really see that they are providing the service level that our brands require, and then we also have to make sure that other brands can be our neighbors, like in a typical shopping mall. So we don't represent all our brands in marketplaces. For example, W Collection is young, modern, uh, working man and woman. We sell, for example, that brand online uh, on marketplaces as well, and we do generate a good revenue, and we are happy with the sales. But with Vakkorama, we don't do it right now, and with Vakko, we are not doing it right now. But this is, again, part of our expansion strategy. We are trying to define new partners uh, all around the world that can represent uh, our merchandise, such as Farfetch, for example. I think they are doing a, a good job on representing the brands. Because when you create a marketplace, a luxury marketplace, yes, people will talk about sales and stock levels and margin. But again, the first thing we ask is, how do you represent the brand, right? Because you know, if, if we have a problem with brand representation, then it's, it's definitely a no-go. And I think that uh, companies like Farfetch are aware of that. They did learn it, by the way. Uh, so I think they're doing a good job uh, to really represent the brand because they understand what we want. So would, would we choose to go to work with them? Yes. Do we see them as our partner? I think so. Uh, because obviously they are doing something that we are not able to do. Mm. Okay, got it. Uh, which leads me to the next topic. Though so one of the pitches Farfetch and other platforms do have is um, that they are orchestrating so much stuff based on their technology platform that will be very hard for you to rebuild. Um, and that's what we are also seeing with some customers in the Spryker um, um, ecosystem. So you have to choose your battles. So uh, if I would look to the VACO balance sheet, so how important is technology? So the, te the part of technology that takes care for the user experience, the, the web shop, the app, the, uh, the, 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 the emailing system. So how many people, how, how much of an investment is in there? Mm -hmm. Well, I agree. I, I totally agree with you, and you know, not investing in technology has been a mistake, I think, for most of the brands. And uh, we didn't invest too much either. I let's say we didn't invest as much as it was required. Uh, but I think there is a big but here. Um, maybe ten years ago, all those companies they were differentiating with the systems, with the algorithms that they had, and that was really creating a big value because most of the typical retailers were not able to use those tools, right? Because you need to invest not only money, but also time, because those solutions were not in the market. And then uh, they weren't mature. I mean, they were products, but they weren't mature for us to use because we are not a tech company, obviously. Um, we see Walmart, for example, acquiring tech companies, right? So I is it a retailer? Is it a tech company? So, you know... We see that a lot of retailers are investing in, in, in high tech, which makes sense. But a typical retailer like Waco would not invest uh, in those technologies. But is it a bad thing? Yes, it used to be. Is it now? I don't think so. Because now, I mean, all the technology that we used to use 10, 15 years ago that were really difficult to acquire because of the technical complexity of the products they are now very simple and easy to acquire and at a very good cost 
I mean, we don't have a cost problem, obviously. Luxury businesses are able to, you know, pay for what they use. Uh, but, you know, there are many products that are really mature enough for us to use to compete uh, with, with those companies. So I don't think uh, maybe they have something. They will, of course, have always have something more. But the gap is closing. So the tech that you're using right now is not the main differentiator. You know, I don't totally agree with that. Of course, they have high tech. We, we understand that. But all the technologies that they are using uh, is now kind of commodity. Look at Amazon, you know, when they first introduced a recommendation engine. You now I remember I was working for Hepsubroda uh, those days and we said, we said, I mean, how can we do the same? Because the, tech, the technology, yes, we understood it, but it wasn't easy to code, to deploy, to manage, to maintain, etc. I think it, to, it took us six months to develop uh, the algorithm, the servers, you know, maintenance, etc. And then in, in five years, you know, we decided to use a tool that is ready, <laughs> that, uh, that performs much better than our algorithms and that is much more manageable. So... Uh, I think that there are a lot of companies that are providing us all this tech uh, so that we can compete. Mm. Okay, technology, I totally, I totally get. Um, uh, do you can you com comment on um, the Corona effects? I don't know what the situation was in, in Turkey over the last two years. Like for a company that was really relying on the brick and mortar experience, um, I would assume that it really accelerated the e-commerce and digital activities over the last two years because the company learned it's even even more important than expected yes right um, uh, as i said previously i mean e-commerce business existed because the company wanted to sell online that's that was the main reason mm -hmm. um, but as we thought that it wasn't really representing the brand well we were not advertising a lot mm -hmm. and we were not looking at a lot because the the sales volume in stores was already great but with COVID we had also I think many shutdowns uh, like in Europe but maybe less than Europe um, but of course it the, the, the revenue was affected uh, but the decline wasn't huge uh, even though uh, with the big revenue it affects you it was around 20 to 25 percent of sales decline mm -hmm. in new year 2020 uh, but the fear was, you know, how long is it going to take? No one knew, you know. Uh, because nobody knew, you had to decide where to invest, right? Maybe the stores will never reopen again. Is it a possibility? Yeah, why not? I mean, we don't know. Maybe it's going to take 10 years to recover. So I think in, in, in one month, uh, the company turned all eyes uh, to, to digital, to e-commerce, and see, you know, what are we doing there and how can we increase our presence, our revenue, our, and our branding. And we have realized uh, that we didn't have the muscles uh, to do it, right? Because it was neglected, because we didn't think it was that much important that because we had stores. Um, so we didn't have any muscles. So we didn't know how to fight, how to compete, and how to be fast, etc., etc. So this changed, COVID changed that. Now we know that it is important now we know that we need to have muscles, whether we use it or not. You know, we just need to have them. That we have to learn and we have to progress. We don't think that the future of retail is going to be online 100%, right? Um, it's probably not going to happen ever. We may decrease the number of stores in the future. We will see. But online presence for branding and, and for sales, it is going to be 
crucial because mm. our customers want to buy from store and from online at the same time and this is uh, the portion uh, that is growing right no. are you affected by some of the global supply chain uh, uh, topics or i understand that turkey is one of the um, main producers of um, high quality fashion and luxury mm -hmm. um, fashion so i would assume you're doing like in, in country but correct me if i'm wrong is there any supply chain Uh, um, effect on your business? Yes, hugely. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there is a huge impact on what we do on our production. As you say, we have uh, many suppliers producing in Turkey because I mean we have strong suppliers in Turkey, uh, manufacturers. But because of the inflation problem uh, that we have in Turkey right now, all these manufacturers prefer to sell uh, out of the country. So they are all. 100% full they're you know they're they're operating with 100% capacity but they're not they're selling abroad but because okay because just to explain to all listeners because the inflation works in a way that for um, um, companies from uh, from let's say Central Europe Germany it's now getting cheaper uh, to buy uh, to buy raw materials um, from Turkey than it was yeah. before because of the lira yeah. Uh, uh, challenge and but and for you as you're like in the same ecosystem f for you uh, it becomes more expensive right i mean it it becomes more expensive but even when you have the money to pay i mean they're all full you know they work with 100 capacity so there is no way uh, you know to get extra production uh, but you know we have a diverse channel of, of uh, supplier suppliers from europe and turkey as well so i think we are able to mm covered it uh, right now and we, we think that it's going to be something temporary so but right now it's not easing you know we, we what what happens is there are ways to live with it as you say but it requires a capital and it, it requires planning if you have both then you may not use uh, lose sales or lose margin on that we, we stock uh, raw materials uh, because we have the capital and we plan ahead um, that's something you, you can do um, but you know not every co company is in a good shape especially after COVID so that hurts them uh, even more okay and w what I wondered uh, the whole time is so how do you keep your customers loyal uh, you have those luxury customers they are very demanding um, I would guess that you know those high quality customers like from a brick and mortar level and you just call them and say hi Uh, hi Miriam, mm -hmm. here's like a new dress uh, you, 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 you might enjoy. Please come to the store. Is it that way or is it rather automized with emails, WhatsApp mm -hmm. groups, something like that? Uh, well, we're, are you asking for this online or for the stores? No, like in general. So I, I, I think online only could amplify mm -hmm. your uh, your loyalty uh, initiatives. And, and that's what we're seeing with many companies. So that that uh, that created some online experience but never thought about loyalty um, mm -hmm. offline and there it starts mm -hmm. right you need to know your customer you need to know the email address you need to know yeah. the address you need to know the preferences of the customer and and for all of that you don't need yeah, an online right. shop you don't need an email right. marketing tool you try you can try to migrate it into an online experience and on top of the mm -hmm. telephone number you can have the telegram or yeah. uh, whatsapp uh, mm -hmm. whatsapp channel but that, but i would assume that the company like yours really know you know your customers you know your right. top 20 top 30 customers and 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 the sales personnel in the um, in the stores can call them when they think there's something yeah. they should see you're right 
Um, I mean, I was also, um, it was a learning for me to see how we do it in stores. Um, we, we have a wonderful CRM program and that is run by our employees in the store, as you say, because we educate them a lot uh, about the new um, merchandise, about the, uh, the new looks uh, of the season, etc., etc. And they have a connection uh, with our customers. And I mean, even we don't call customers in Wacko. Uh, we call them friends. So we call them Wacko friends. And this is something that, that is coming from the first store. You know, we had only one store uh, in the 90s. So we call them friends because it was mostly friends coming and, you know, you treat them like friends. And as they keep coming to you and because they are usually the same people, you have a growing audience that you serve very well. And if you don't serve them well, then they don't come. So, you know, this is how it all started. Uh, in stores, um, our em employees are mostly contacting by, by phone calls if they are allowed, of course. You know, or they can also mm -hmm. send WhatsApp messages to see, you know, we have a new collection. You know, we know that you bought that dress. You can also buy these shoes, for example, to go with it. And it is really much appreciated. Uh, or, you know, there is a small percentage of people that represent the big uh, percentage of sales, like in every, I think, uh, luxury business. They don't even have to come to the store. You know, we, we take the merchandise to their place and, you know, they are free to choose and take whatever they like and return what they don't like. So that's kind of a service that we provide, of course, like all the big uh, fashion houses. Um, so for the, for the stores, yes, I mean, there is no, we don't have a VIP segment, you know, we don't segment that way because we are a luxury retailer and everybody is VIP for us. So in terms of services that we are providing, it's all VIP anyway. Um, uh, uh Okay, uh, okay, got it. Looking forward 2022-2023, what are the main initiatives you are really uh, you're really excited about what's going to happen in 2022 and 2023? I know you're like a publicly listed company, but the one that you've maybe communicated about yeah. already. Um, I think that you will keep um, growing with other uh, lines of businesses like hotel um, because we see that the way uh, we see luxury is a bit different uh, than other entrepreneurs, let's say. And if we can apply that vision uh, to other uh, retail businesses, we think that we can create value. Our hotel will be something totally different uh, than other hotels, city hotels, luxury hotels in, in Turkey, in Istanbul. I hope that you will have the opportunity to come and see one day. Uh, and so we, you know, we will try to expand what uh, what we do there. Uh, for for stores. We are always looking for opportunities to increase the number of stores, even today. We, th we still think that there is room for growth for brick and mortar business uh, because it is still growing in Turkey. And uh, maybe we are having some difficult times in Turkey right now as a country because of the inflation and you know other issues. But, you know, our business is not affected. Um, I think none of the luxury businesses is, uh, are affected right now. But as the country's revenue uh, will be uh, growing, I think that it will have an effect on luxury businesses as well. And of course, for online, um, I think we are rewriting the whole strategy after COVID. You know, we are rethinking uh, what, what we should do and how we should do it. Uh, we are mostly, con mostly concentrating on, of course, personalization or hyper-personalization. Mm. Um, services that 
we should provide that not, not, that nobody is providing right now. Uh, not to copy the, the whole experience that are providing in stores, but you know, to, to provide something totally different. We should rethink and reinvent how luxury business should be operated online. I think that's the problem for everyone. Metaverse is helping that a little bit. Um, you know, you buy, you don't like, you return, it doesn't fit. You know, it, it's a big issue. Of course, you know, we do everything to make it hassle-free and, and uh, easy. But again, it's a friction. You know, if you buy something and you don't like it and you return because it doesn't fit, it's a friction. So, you know, we're working uh, with a lot of uh, virtual try-on companies um, to see how we can, you know, make this process much more easy so you can you know you can see how that dress would look on you before buying it because you know you're not going to the store or would it really fit uh, before buying or you know you can do mix and match mm. and we can recommend you uh, this and this as well we see that you have tried this but you know let's try this this new look where with the shirt that you already have you know we are working um, on personalization and virtual try on and of course and metaverse projects uh for this year and next year. Okay, very cool. Um, so uh, usually we would end this kind of um, uh, podcast with asking for a voucher code uh, <laughs> so people can convince themselves <laughs> on your store. But you've convinced me that there's no no voucher, no discount uh, um, code. So for the ones that are like in Turkey or the ones that are visiting uh, Istanbul, definitely check out the stores. Uh, you can even contact Khan. So I'm I'm pretty sure you, he can help you like finding the best uh, the best stores in the Vaco uh, Empire. Thank you. It was very uh, um, uh, very enlightening and very interesting to see view, your view on the luxury uh, um, industry and how you uh, manage it. Definitely if I uh, choose a hotel next time in Istanbul, I try to um, search for the Vaco brand. Thank, Thank you, you Alex. Khan.